0: I've chosen, which I've changed it about eight times from the time I started studying on what God was laying on my heart. Um, And I even chose different scriptures and went different ways. And sometimes when you put together a message, it just works out that way, doesn't it, Paul? And, uh, but anyway, uh, we want to break in and talk about worldly accountability you know, it's a big word that we have bouncing around society today about people being accountable for their actions. Nobody seems to want to take blame for the things they've done, whether it's good or bad, you know, especially if it's bad, it's always somebody else's fault. You know anybody like that? Yeah. All right. But anyway, Peter tells us in the, the book that we're going to read from, First Peter, If you want to turn there while we're getting ready, about this type of situation that uh, it was a problem in his day and time. So while you're turning, we'll look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning thankful again for your goodness to your people, bringing us out to the house of God to open your eternal word and allow the Spirit of God to talk to our minds and our hearts to prepare us for what you have for each of us in our lives ahead. We thank you, Lord, for the times that we can call on you for prayer as far as for my brother John and for my neighbor Clayton and Trish we ask that you would move in those situations and have your perfect will in their lives others that are going through situations we pray that you'd continue to bus and move in their situations. But now for this message, Lord, we want to, the Spirit of God to captivate our hearts and minds and teach us what thus saith the Lord. For some of us, it probably won't be anything new. And for others of us, it might be something we've never heard before. But whatever, Lord, you have for your people, just uh, uh, open their minds and eyes and ears that, Lord, all things would penetrate to where they would know what thus saith the Lord. So bless, we pray in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Now in 1 Peter, I want to read out of the fourth chapter. I'm just going to read the first six verses. But I think uh, just you can kind of follow along in whatever version you have. But this morning, I'm going to read it out of the everyday. And of course, I can refer back to the King James version of it, which I have both of them in front of me. But I'm going to read it from the everyday, and I'm just gonna read the first six verses. It says, since Christ suffered while he was in his body, strengthen yourself with the same way of thinking that Christ had. You know you're supposed to think just like Jesus did? Huh, how about that stuff? The person who has suffered in the body is finished with sin. Strengthen, uh, strengthen yourself so that you will live here on earth Doing what God wants, not the evil things people want. In the past, you've wasted too much time doing what non-believers enjoy. You were guilty of sexual sins, evil desires, drunkenness, wild drunken parties, and hateful idol worship. Non-believers think it is strange that you don't do the many wild and wasteful things they do. So they insult you. But they'll have to explain this to God who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the good news was preached to those who are now dead, even though, though they were judged like all people, The good news was preached to them so they could live in the spirit as God lives. All right, here Peter's telling us we should be, if you would, of the same mind. Many times in the Bible, that is neither said or either insinuated, be like Jesus. Why don't you just do it the same way he did it? You know, it ain't like we have to set the standard for ourselves. He set the standard for us how to live, how to act, and how to deal with certain situations. Here Peter, and of course I could have went to probably any of the New Testament letters and brought out some of these same thoughts because it was just as much a problem in the first century as it is in the 21st century. A lot of people just don't pay attention to what God really intends for them to do with their lives. Amen? When it comes to doing the will of God, we need to be on the same page Jesus was on. Amen? All right, I remember Brother Jack uh, giving the saying and saying, uh, he who dies with the most worldly goods still dies. Amen? So to, just because you've got a lot out of this world or you chase a lot of this world, guess what? One of these days you're going to have to turn it all in. Somebody else will get it. Somebody else is going to fight over all those things that you fret and stewed and worried about. Uh, and when you pass, uh, they're going to be laying there in the dust waiting for somebody else to gather them up. In 1 Timothy, the sixth chapter, verse 10, I'm not turning there, but it says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, I know there are some preachers that say, you know what the word all means, don't you? All means all evil. Well, they left the word out in the translation there, I guess you could say, but the insinuation there is, it's all kinds of evil, amen? Not every evil is because of money. There are other reasons why people sin, did you know that? It's not always money. But I tell you, for the most part, when you see something wrong and you follow the money, it'll lead you right to the problem. Amen. We know that. Amen. That's not anything new. Uh, So we need to understand that he was talking there. All kinds of evil is what the uh, love of money will lead you into. I, I will say this much. Money or the lack of money is probably one of the biggest reasons our jail cells are full today. Think about people that are behind bars today. What motivated them to do whatever they did, whenever they did it, to be in the position they're in? More than likely, it was either money or the lack thereof. Amen? So we need to get beyond the influence of money on us, and just be like Carly at the end of the month, just say we made it, so thank God. Amen? Amen. But uh, in verse 3, Peter tells us here in 1 Peter 4, he gives us a list of reasons that worldly people use to commit sins. Now, I read it to you in the Amplified. If I can read it, verse 3 in the in the King James either. It says, for in time past, our lives may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, now, that's even hard for me to say. My tongue bounces off my dentures every time I say it. <laughs> but what does it mean? Well, lasciviousness is what they call in the everyday Bible, sexual sins. It's loose living. It's not walking where Christ would have you to walk. Then he says lust. Well, the, the uh, King James says lust, but the everyday says uh, evil desires. The word lust just absolutely means desire. Sometimes it talks about lust. It means good lust. You know you can lust after good things? You can chase things or desire things that are good for you. You need to chase them. But the, for the most part, a lot of times, people automatically read into the negative side of it and say evil lusts or bad desires. So that's what he talks about. Then in the King James, it says excess of wine. Of course, uh, excess of wine and in the everyday just calls drunkenness. We'd call them alcoholics. You know, there are people that sneak around to get something to drink. Do you know that? Huh? because they don't want their family to know they are controlled by that. Amen. Now that's, to my, in my way of thinking, and that's not only expensive, but that's kind of deceitful. If you don't want people to think that uh, you're controlled by that in the excess of that, um, you probably ought not took the, the beginning of it. Amen. And then he says in revelings. You know what revelings are? Well, the everyday Bible calls them wild parties and drunken parties those are called revelings in the everyday bible well what are they Uh, they're banquetings and there are things that they do to uh, move if you would uh, the smile on their face to whatever they think it should be so here we have that and then the last thing he says (coughs) abominable idolatries is what the King James says What are our abominable idolatry? You see, if you don't know what they are, you might even chase them and not know it. But uh, what they're called in the uh, everyday is hateful idol worship. Now, you can say what you want, but anytime you put anything in God's place in your heart and life, you're chasing an idol. Whether it's paper with the president's pictures on it, whether it's a fancy something at a jewelry store, whether it's whatever you want to chase and make that your idol, your house, your car, your boat, you name it, whatever, when you chase those things and get them in the place where God should be, that's an abominable idolatry or hateful idol worship. God wants number one place in your heart. Amen? Now, he doesn't mind if you... You uh, eat pizza with just cheese or whether you eat it deluxe, he don't care. You eat it the way you want. I'm telling you can. I'm telling you. But he wants first place in your heart. Amen. He's not too much worried about what goes into your stomach as long as it's not sinful. And there are restrictions on that. So these five categories of motivation to sin would be more than enough to preach on for quite a few hours. But Anyone over the age of 21 should be well aware of godly distractions, and even more aware if they were raised in a Christian home, or they attended kids' camp, or went to Sunday school, or they went to a church where the Bible was taught. They should know the things that this world has to offer that probably aren't what's best for them. As a matter of fact, verse 4 says, they can't believe you don't want to run with them. The everyday says you can't, they, the world can't believe you don't want to go with them. Amen. Now, Bonnie and I get invited to a lot of places by people that don't really know us very well. You know? You know, some of them, we say, well, let's sneak in the back door and see what's going on and leave. or And if it's something that won't pollute us, uh, we might stay and enjoy it with them. Amen? But on the most part, if it's something that's not healthy for us, spiritually speaking, uh, we find the exit pretty quick and move on. Amen? So they want you to have the same pursuit as they do in their ungodly ways. That's uh, even why the the talk about uh, the things they talk about behind your back. I can't believe. Do you know what dude and Bonnie do? You know? They won't even go down to the... Well, no, we're not going down there because we don't need to be down there. That's not what makes us fun. But uh, the Bible says in there, in the everyday, they will even insult you over it. Well, the King James says derided. Which one sounds the best? They're both bad. Amen? So uh, what do they do? A lot of people laugh at you. Oh, you don't want to go to that part? Oh, uh, no, I don't want to go there. That wouldn't be healthy for me spiritually. Oh, you got, no, I know what's healthy for me. Hey, they make fun of you. They laugh at you. They call you whatever they want. They think, they say things like, oh, a little bit won't hurt. You ever heard that? Whoa. Well, let me warn you about big sins that do hurt they start with little sins that you think don't hurt amen it's a sin's a growing process too just like living holy is a growing process amen you know that all the big lies that people have told probably started out as little white lies and they just grew and grew and grew and now they're in trouble trying to remember what lies they have told Amen. Verse 5 in the everyday says, but they will have to explain this to God. Huh. Did you ever think about everything you do? One of these days you're going to have to explain that to God. That's what Peter said. Amen. You're going to have to answer for everything you do. There is a time of accountability for everyone on everything they do. Sometimes it's in this world... But certainly, there's going to be a time of accountability going into the next world. So you have to make sure your slate is clean with God either way. Did you know that it would not be fair of God to make you give an account for things that you didn't have any knowledge of? Huh? Did you know? Now I hear that excuse all the time when people do something wrong and I correct them on it and they say, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know we weren't supposed to do that. Huh? Well, there are things you do know though, aren't they? Amen. Now God doesn't hold you accountable for being ignorant. But he does hold you accountable for what you know and what the Word of God and the Spirit of God and your conscience have already had conversations about. And for God to judge you on something you weren't even aware of that wouldn't be fair of God either, would it? But God knows better than that. That's why the Word of God says that the gospel is going to be preached to everyone. Did you know that? Oh, I've heard that, and I say that, and I've, in years gone by, as a minister, I brought that subject up on my job, and there were guys on my Oh, no, the people in Africa have never read the Bible. Well, that don't mean anything. They still know it's not right to kill, don't they? Well, how'd they learn that? Huh. They still know there's a heaven or hell. Even the, the American Indians. They used to have their happy hunting grounds. Nobody preached to them about heaven or hell, but they knew what was right. They knew they needed to live the way they should live to make it to the happy hunting grounds on the other side. They used different terms, but they knew what was going on. So therefore, in verse 6, it says, the gospel was preached so that they can judge or they can make the right choices as to what's right and what's wrong. Amen? It doesn't take long. When you're confronted with a situation to know which way you should go, if you just stop and consider, what would Jesus do? How would God have me handle this? Amen? Since the gospel is preached in many different ways in 2022, it, it's easy for everybody to have some kind of right or wrong on about any subject you want to talk about. Amen. There's pastors that will tell you the truth. There's ministers and priests and rabbis and Sunday school teachers and TV evangelists and radio evangelists. Anytime the Bible is read or quoted, um, it's, if it's quoted properly, there's a chance for you to know how you should respond and the choices you have to make in this life. Amen. And then we've got the saints, God's people. Do you know the Bible says the saints shall judge the world? Did you know that? Uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and 2. Don't you know the saints will judge the world? How do we do that? Because we've got a big bony finger and pointed at everybody? No, they watch how you live. A neighbor called me, I told you. Admit, oh, I don't know, 11 o'clock, I guess. Going on 11 o'clock last night, needing prayer. Why didn't she call another neighbor across the street? Hmm. Why? Because his car stays in the driveway on Sunday morning. Or has a boat hooked to it and he's going fishing, or he's going camping, or he's going hunting, or he's going on Sunday. There's plenty of time to go hunting, fishing, and camping. You don't have to do it on Sunday morning. Huh. Well, they know where I'm at when I come out with this handsome little tie on. What I'm going to do that morning for about three hours, Right? Well, not all of it's preaching. But I do get to talk some. But they know how we live. What? Bonnie. Amen. So, the you want to know something? People say, well, the people like Christians shouldn't say anything bad about us when we sin. Huh? Yeah, but if you do something wrong, how quick are they to... Oh, I saw that. Shame on you. They judge pretty quick, don't they? And yet if we do it, oh, that's taboo. You know, you're a shameful person for doing that. Well, uh, the only way we should do it is because we've got God in our life and the Holy Spirit will allow us to straighten out, if you would, from time to time, people that are off track with God. Amen. When they say no... To the list of things that the world reviles us about, a sinner has to wonder. Why? Why don't we chase after what? Revelings and drunkenness and parties and hateful idolatries and the things that were listed in that particular uh, portion of scripture. Why don't we chase after them? Why don't we follow the same worldly appetites that they do? Well, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit reminds our conscience that we think better about the choices because we realize I gotta give an account for that. I gotta answer to God for that. Amen? And when you think of it in that light, it comes in a whole lot different. Then in verse six it lets us know that everyone is going to be accountable for their choices and their actions. So when you do things, you're accountable for it. Amen? Now, I know there's a lot of people uh, do things and then try to hide from it, but God's got the record. Amen. Amen? See, it's better to make godly choices than to make worldly choices because we're all accountable for all of our choices. Even our good choices we're accountable for or our bad choices. And I'd rather leave off the the worldly part and follow the godly part because of the accountability that's involved. Amen. I'm preaching it and I've even mentioned it a few times. I'm getting older and I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here to get to tell you what I think or preach the word that the Holy Spirit gives me or whatever. But when I walk out, I want to look over my shoulder with no regrets. I want a clean slate behind everything I've done in my life. Do I make mistakes? Ask my wife. But nonetheless, I want to clear them up before I have to stand before God and be accountable for them. Amen? So, uh, but since I've lived on both sides, if you would, the Christian side and the sinner side, huh? I have a pretty good view from my standpoint as to what is the best life to live. I know where the more of the benefits and the blessings come from. They don't come from the revelings and the parties that uh, all your coworkers want to throw on or or take you out and and, uh, go to the places where the lights are out and, and do things that they think nobody sees. Well, God sees it all. Amen? Uh, So we need to make sure that we make the right choices not only in this world but in the world to come. Amen? For those of you that have trouble sleeping, think how much you would sleep better, how much you could sleep better if you had a clear conscience about everything. Amen? You know that people that have a bad conscience know they did wrong. They have trouble sleeping. Now some of them have seared their conscience, and that's because they've practiced having a bad conscience and bad choices for so long it doesn't bother them anymore. And they can lie to you and go right over and take a nap. That's there are people that way. But for you and I, if we knew we had done something wrong, if I knew I had hurt your feelings, it bugged me till I got it straightened out. Amen. And I'd want to call you. I'm sorry. I messed up. Forgive me. Amen. I like my sleep. I'm pretty good at it too. Amen. I can run to bed and I, when I jump, I try to aim towards the pillow because that's where I'm going to be when she wakes me up in the morning. Amen. Why? I think I've got a pretty clear conscience. I think my sleep is doing well. But I know people that don't. Amen. I know people that I've looked at them and I said, wow, you look like you've been run over by a few semis. Well, I haven't slept for three days. Why not? Well, I've got this thing nagging at me. Get it cleared up. Fix it. Now, I realize there are people that have sleeping disorders. That's a whole different ball game. But just because you've made bad choices and your conscience is gnawing at you and not letting you sleep because of that, that's something else. I can just say this. A clear conscience is the softest pillow you ever laid your head on. Amen? That's what, a, that's what God wants you to understand. Amen? Now we just need to know that living godly, I believe, is even healthier. No hangovers. No sexually transmitted diseases. No cravings for the things that you've done in the first place. Amen. All those things you don't even have to worry about. Just cut to the chase. And Jesus tells us that we need to do that in Luke the 16th chapter. Give me a minute, I got a new Bible. Take me a while. Luke 16 verse 13. I want to read it. Now I'd like to read all of this down through here, but uh, then we would be here past pizza time. But in verse 13 it says, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon how many of you have that already underlined in your Bibles yeah well that's something that you probably need to make uh, an understandable portion of your study of the scriptures amen so there must be a choice made who's going to be the master of your life you know what even if you make yourself the master of your life you probably made a bad choice Amen? I've tried it. I've tried doing it my way. That don't work either. Amen? I'd rather do it God's way. Amen? So who do you want to serve? God or mammon? You know what mammon is? Mammon in the scriptures usually means some kind of riches. It was used as a term to really tie to money or wages or something like that. Uh, It's uh, Riches. Basically, uh, money's what it means. Uh, we already talked about what the Bible says about that in First Timothy 6.10, 6, 10, that the love of money is the root of all evil. But here we have uh, a scripture that says we need to make a choice between riches or God. What motivates you the most? Anything that you desire as riches, you can chase. My daddy taught me that when I was a little boy. Did you know that? I probably have said that before. My dad said, in America, if you're willing to work hard enough for it, you can have anything you want. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Well, it's getting a little bit tougher because the government wants their share of everything you do anymore. But back when I was a little boy, it wasn't quite that tough. Amen? Now, that was just my daddy's influence over me. Amen. Now there are things that we do need and it takes riches or money or something to afford them. Amen. All of us like to have a nice home. All of us like to have a nice vehicle. Amen. You think the car payments are high, wait till you get into the maintenance, the gas, the oil changes, the tires, the brakes, insurance. Hey, they cost a lot of money. But they're really a nice, convenient thing to have. Amen. It's easier to go to Kroger and buy $150 worth and put it in two bags and put it in your car and go home. Then it would be to walk to Kroger's, spend $150 and put it in two of them little plastic bags and walk home. Right? You're following me now. Amen. There are a lot of things that we need and we see as necessary to function in this world. You like air conditioning, don't you? Amen. I, I I never have said very much about air conditioning, but I grew up; we didn't have it. Hey Amen. It's 100 degrees back then, just like it is now. I know the, the government's telling you this is the worst ever, and then boy, we're all going to boil to death before long, and the, and the world's going to. I don't buy that. You you can if you want, because I remember when it was 100 degrees, and the hay was in a windrow. What do we have to do? You bale hay while the sun shines, don't you? When the hay's ready, you better make it. Amen. Because your cows are dependent on it. Your, your, all your farm animals depend on that to survive the winter. So uh, when we did, made hay and it was 100 degrees outside, how hot do you think it was in a hay mow? Yeah. And we'd go in there and throw in about 100 bales, then go in and straighten them out and come out wringing wet. Walk over to the faucet, take the garden hose and drown ourselves off, go back and do it again until the hay mow was full. Amen. No air conditioning. That's just the way it was. We made do. Amen. But it's nice to have air conditioning. But it costs. So you got to have it. Amen. If you're going to keep up with the Joneses, you got to have some mammon. You got to have some riches. They've got campers, boats, motorcycles. Now, I don't have any problem with that. If you got all that stuff hallelujah god bless you but i think there's a time and a place for them that's for sure amen but i don't want you to want your campers and boats and motorcycles and whatever else you get of this world ahead of god god has to be number one amen otherwise you're out of proportion in the way you think and you're going to make wrong choices amen i got a brother-in-law Um, At the time that uh, him and my sister got married, he wasn't really, he was raised in church. It really didn't affect him a whole lot. And he went out and he started gathering cars. He bought a lot of classic cars. And he still has went through quite a few cars. And and of course, my dad and his dad, his dad was a farmer and my dad was a John Deere dealer. And my dad, when he went into the dealership, the first tractor he sold was to my brother-in-law's dad. He still has it. He had it restored. Man, he put more money in it than his dad did when he bought it brand new. But nonetheless, he wanted to keep that as something. You know what he's found out about that? He had even a Corvette Stingray, the silver anniversary Corvette Stingray pace car for Indianapolis 500. He bought one of them, and he had the serial number checked out. Now, oh, it's a high price. You know what he found out? You have to wash it about three times a week, too, just like everything else. Amen. He's got about six cars. You know what he does? He used to. He don't anymore. He used to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Every the morning to have enough time to go out and wash all the cars he had. Clean them all up. And you know what he found out? Might have been better to get a little more sleep and let the dust go and get rid of those cars and let somebody else get up at 4 in the morning and wash them. Amen. Those are the kind of things you make choices to chase after that you think exciting. But guess what? Had he had passed away after he collected all those toys, huh, somebody else would have had to get up at four in the morning and wash them. Amen? That's not what I'm looking for. So here's what we find if we look and see what Jesus was giving us there in verse number 13. We can go back, of course, verse 13, you can't serve two masters, right? If you go back to the beginning of chapter 16, and I'm not going to, but you can for an afternoon nap story, read that down through the first 12 verses there, you'll find that Jesus was dealing with what we call the parable of the unjust steward. Now what is a steward? A steward is somebody that's in charge of taking care of your business or you might call him a foreman on the job today or supervisor over your business or whatever you want, however you want to look at it. But to be totally honest with you, I don't know how a steward got away with the actions that I read about here at all before being called in for accountability, but that's exactly what happened. He was really bad at taking care of his master's business in this parable. So, master got word of it, as scripture says. Called him in. All right, give an account. Whoa. Time he hung up the phone... Before he hung up the phone with the master and found out he was going to have to give accountability, he called up all of his debtors. Before I got to go in and tell him, man, I got to get things. So he called them, said, how much you owe him? Well, quick, quick, give me this much. And how much you, oh, let's pay that, hurry up and get it. So when he went to give accountability, he looked better than he really was. Amen? So he had to give an account. So when he was questioned... Then and only then he went to thinking about his future. He was living high on the hog as long as someone else was paying the tab. Amen? But then when he had to stand and give an account, uh uh-oh, he even says in the thing, I'm too lazy to do physical work. I'm not going to dig ditches for a living. And I'm not going to beg. I'm too proud for that. So he was between a rock and a hard place. What's he going to do? Ah, I know what I'll do. I'll use my worldly influence to make peace with everybody I can, and then everything will work out in the long run for me. Well, we know how he justified himself in this parable. Amen? And again, just like in almost all parables, the last line is what it's about. In this case, it's the last line is verse 13. Where you can't serve God and mammon. Make a choice. Stand up and be accountable. Be a man. Do what's going on. The real truth appears and comes out when the Pharisees in the crowd that heard this parable step up and have something to say about it. That'd be verse 14. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous and heard, all the things that they derided and they derided him. Let me read that to you. Let me figure, I can find that in this everyday Bible real quick. Doo-doo. The Pharisees who loved money. You know anybody that loves money? Were listening to all the things and made fun of Jesus. Huh? They made fun of him because he told them the truth on the matter. Now they probably thought this steward was really a smart individual. He probably would have made a good Pharisee, and he would have been just as covetous or just a love money loving guy, just like they were. Ah, he would have fit right in their little group. Amen. But what Jesus say about that? Amen. He said in verse 13, oh, wait a minute, I skipped to the wrong. Nope, 15. Then he said to them, you make yourselves look good in front of people, but God knows what's really in your hearts. What is important to people is hateful in the sight of God. Now that's the everyday. Huh we got to make sure we make right choices because people may agree with our choices in this world. They may come up short when God looks at them. Amen? God sees things just a little bit different than others say so. And he even said in the King James, he, they derided him. You know what the literal translation of that is? They turned their nose up at him. Who does he think he is? We got so much money doing it our way. Look at him. He still got the same sandals he had 10 years ago. Amen. And we got new Nikes. Hey, they don't know what's going on. They made fun of him. They turned on him. They made him look like he didn't know what was going on. And he's the one that knew what was going on. Amen. So Jesus' response to them in verse 15 is... You're going to have to justify yourself. You're going to have to justify yourself before men, but God knows your heart. Amen? That steward, that was a bad steward. Unjust steward is the way he was described as. How would you like to be known as an unjust worker on your job? No, that's not what you want to be. You want to be known as one that's upright and honest and doing what's right for everybody around you. But God knows your heart. What people think is important. Too many times, what people think and what God thinks is totally different and is of a different set of values. Amen? Church, sometimes we need to take a long look at what we put value in. Especially in this life. Because there is coming a time. You're going to have to give an account for it. Amen. I got to tell you. This world. Costs a lot to live in it. Like I said. I like air conditioning. In the winter. I like heat. I don't like to pay for it. But I like it. And I've even tried to figure out a way to get heat without paying for it. Amen. Those of you that know me know I've got a wood-burning fireplace. I get free wood. That good, ain't it, Steve? Amen. changes the atmosphere in your living room. Amen. You put a couple of logs on, throw some fire in it, and it's hard to stay awake. It's so comforting. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys, uh, if you don't think so, just come over this winter when it's good and cold. Amen. But I like that. But... Uh, I have to survive the cold somehow. I like Kroger's. Isn't that something? I can just go up, walk through, pick out anything I want, anytime I want, and all I got to do is cover the charge, out the door I go. That's a whole lot easier than me have to grow it all, for me to have to hunt it all, for me to have to butcher it all, and the things that we'd have to do if Kroger wasn't there. Amen? You could even go to Kroger and buy things that won't even grow in our territory. Huh, how oh, about that stuff? Yeah, figs, hey, amen, we can't grow figs. We can't even grow olives, hey, amen. Well, go, go to Kroger, they'll sell you a whole jar of them, all different colors, stripes, and whatever. Hey, isn't that neat? All you gotta do is have the money to cover it. It does take money to survive in this world if you want to have, if you would, the luxuries. Now, I got to tell you, I really think you could survive without olives if you had to. But they're pretty good on pizza. I like them in my salad. You know, olives every once in a while, not bad. Sometimes for a snack, I'll just open a can and sit there and devour it. Amen. All right. I even like going on vacation. You like vacations? Yeah. But if you can't afford it, you shouldn't take it. Oh, because they cost. Amen. Amen. I know Jesus, uh, uh, he had a lot of things he wanted to do in this world and a lot of places he wanted to be. Amen. He couldn't just hop in his car and go do it. No. They didn't have him back then. Amen. Vacations are nice. I don't think I'd want one every month. But they're nice when they do come around. So, I got to tell you that there are great things in this world, but we need to be careful of the choices we make. Amen? Even as your pastor, uh, I'll refer you to the, the two witnesses rather than tell you how to live your life. Amen. I'll preach the word for you. But I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to tell you the choices you make. Amen? But you need to be aware that God's keeping record. And you will have to give an account for the things you've done. He's not only keeping record of you, he's keeping record of me. Amen? I think he keeps a closer record on me than he does you. And I'm going to read it to you in the Scriptures here in just a minute. Amen, but you need to understand you and I will have to give an account for the choices that we've made in this world. In closing, we go back to 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. You'll read there in verse five, it tells us that we'll have to give an account to God for everything we do, say, and think. Amen? Romans the 12, no, Romans 14 and 12. Give me a minute. New Bible takes a little longer to turn there. Amen. So, then every one of us shall give an account of himself unto God. Huh, that must have been what I was talking about all this time. Amen. All right. Now, i got to tell you, it says there, you've got to give an account of yourself. Everyone's got to give an account for himself. You don't have to count for me. No. Now, I don't have to count for you except in one area, and I'm going to read that to you here in just a second. But don't be trying to tell everybody else all their mistakes. Usually, that's a mistake to do that because they'll get offended by you trying to run their lives, let the Holy Spirit do it. Show them the Word, live the Word, talk the Word, and then let the Holy Spirit tell them how they should give an account for themselves to God. Amen. Now, I'd look over in Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Mm-hmm. It says, obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. Now, everybody that reads that will automatically, probably say, well, that's for the pastor. Yep, because I have to give an account for your soul. So it's important that you obey what I'm saying. But I'm not the only one you need to obey. Huh? I'm accountable. I'm not accountable for your choices, but I'm accountable for what I present to you to give you the knowledge you need to make the choices you do make. God's gonna hold me accountable for that, amen? So you have to make the choices, not me. But to tell you the truth as God gives it to me, that's my job, amen? So I wish you would live so it makes my job a little easier. Make the right choices. Do the right things. Go the right places. Amen? Your job, my job would be easier, and it'd be more joyful and rewarding, not only for you, but for me too. Amen? And it'll be more profitable for you. Amen? When it says that, that you should obey them that have rule over you, for they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And it wouldn't be much profit in it for me. Amen. You know that? I've from time to time had to tell people and jerk a string around them a little bit tighter and say, What are you doing? What are you doing that for? That's not for you. Amen. But not only do I have to do that as pastor, but when it says do it for people that have obeyed them, that have rule over you, who else has rule over you besides the pastor? Well, we know God does and the pastor does, but teachers have rule over you. Teachers can tell you what to do, help you make right choices. The policeman can tell you what to do. Amen? And if you've got your hands where they shouldn't be, he'll fasten them together with some pretty little bracelets behind your back. So you won't be doing them, putting them where they shouldn't be. Right? And maybe your parents. They should have rule over you. They're given the charge of raising you in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That should help you make right choices. Even on your job. Your managers. They have to give an account to the stockholders or the boss, CEO, somebody for what you're doing on the job. Do the right thing and it's easier on your manager. Just like when you live right as a Christian, it's easier on me. Amen. Well, that's the way it works. Actually, them that have rule over you, I'd say it this way. It's anybody that's bigger than you. Amen. Amen. Because if they're bigger than you and you don't straighten up, you'll probably have a knot on your head somewhere. They'll probably want to tie a knot in your tail and pull it to it tight enough that you can't handle it anymore. The point being, we all have to stand and give an account for everything. Everything God gives us, we want him to look at us and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen? We don't want God to look at us like this unjust steward and say, what in the world did you do that for? What was you thinking? You ever heard that statement? Amen. Sometimes I think that's what God was me. What was you thinking? Amen. I may not say it out loud, but I may say it under my breath. Oh, my goodness. Amen. Now, my job is not to tell you how to live. My job is to tell you what God says and you are to make the decision how God wants you to live. Amen? So if you're not living the way God wants you to live, today's the day to turn it around and get it right. Amen? And remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it.